All right, something that I want to talk about really quick is if you were here last week, you know that we have jumped into our Can I Ask That series, and uh, we want to give you multiple ways, multiple avenues for you to submit your questions. And so we have a QR code that we're going to throw up uh, right here on the screen, and so you can scan um, this QR code, and it will take you to a Google form to anonymously submit. Can we get that? Yeah, right. Out um, it'll be up there. Uh, so scan the, the code, and then you can anonymously submit a question. Um, another place that you can uh, submit a question is on the back table. There is um, a, a way on paper that you can write down your anonymous question. Um, you can also uh, go on to Instagram. The link is on our Instagram page as well, and you will have some papers in your small group um, to be able to do that. We want to give you guys, oh, it's in the YouVersion Bible app as well. We want to give you guys a bunch of opportunities and a bunch of different ways that you guys can submit your questions. Once a year, uh, we go through a Can I Ask That series where we give students an opportunity to anonymously ask their questions. And this year, we are going to uh, specifically focus on um, sexuality, gender, and relationships. And so, those are kind of the topics that we are going to be talking about. And so um, we want to respond directly to the questions that you are asking or maybe your friends are asking. Um, and we will look at those questions from uh, a biblical lens and um, we'll look at those of like what does the Bible say about those different things or maybe as a Christian, how are we to um, view those things or participate or not participate. And so um, it's usually a really, uh, a really awesome time. We're spending the next two months doing that. And so uh, next week, uh, Kaylee is going to be preaching the sermon and she is going to be talking um, about um, a topic within the topic of relationships. And so I look forward to that. Um, we are going to be looking at Mark chapter 7. And so if you have your Bibles, please get your paper Bibles out. Or if you're using the YouVersion Bible app, you can find all of our notes there. Um, if you go to the bottom right-hand corner, and tap um, more, and then go to events. Um, some phones, we're having some issues with our YouVersion app, and um, or the YouVersion app, and so if you don't find Bethel Youth auto-populate, if you tap on the map, it will expand the map, and then if you zoom in to Chehalis, you will see it, and then tap on the little red location icon, and then tap on Bethel Youth. That is so many taps, and it's very complicated, and so I hope that they work that out and figure it out so it's easier to get to it. But all of the notes are there. There's a link to register for summer camp. Um, there's a link to the can I ask that question submission, and there's a link to if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can follow us there. So we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. Uh, would you stand with me as Bella comes? And Bella is going to um, read our text in Mark chapter 7. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice. Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Yeah. Thank you, Bella. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There's something... Um, 
There's something empowering about being able to make a decision that you want to make. Uh, This isn't uh, your parents didn't tell you what to decide. Uh, Your teachers didn't tell you uh, the decision that you should make. Uh, Your friends didn't tell you the decision that you should make. You decided what you wanted. Um, We live in a really unique time in history where we have an abundance of options. If you go to the store, there's like 30 different Mountain Dew flavors. If you go to the store, um, you can find like 30 different Cheetos and 100 different Dorito flavors. And just pretty much anywhere you go, you can find an abundance of options. Um, So here's an example. If we go to a fast food restaurant, we might find one of these Coke machines. You guys ever experienced one of these? There's one, I think, at the Burger King across the street. There are so many different flavors. There are things in there that I didn't even know were uh, related to the Coca-Cola brand. And you can mix flavors, and it's pretty insane, and it's really, really uh, fancy. Uh, Another uh, example is when you go to watch a show, we can choose first from multiple streaming platforms. I'm sure you in your house, you probably have at least one Probably most of us have multiple different streaming services um, where you can watch um, hundreds of different shows, movies, comedy specials, documentaries, um, and that doesn't even count YouTube. Like, it doesn't even count the universe that is YouTube. Um, Likewise, when you are listening to music, most of us in the room probably listen to uh, Spotify uh, or Apple Music or whatever. When you want to listen to music, you don't have to carry around a binder of CDs. Like when I was in like middle school and high school, if we wanted CDs like on a Walkman that played CDs, like we would have to carry these in our car. Um, It was super cumbersome. Now you just have everything on your phone. You have Bluetooth or uh, uh, wireless earbuds, and it's just, it's, it's very different and than from when I was a kid um, and a teenager. And even better on Spotify, if you have Spotify family, there are up to six people can simultaneously listen to Spotify at the same time and listen to different things at the same time. And when, when talking about different options and decisions to make within those options, um, you sometimes have two different types of adults, okay? You might know where I'm going with this. You have two different types of adults. You have, shall I say, like the, the cranky adults that are like, there's too many options. When I was a kid, there was one Coca-Cola, you know? There was one Doritos, and now all these kids, they have, you know, it's like, you, you know, you get the picture, right? You know who that person, do you not get the picture? Do you know who that, what I'm talking about? Okay, cool. I just, there was no response, so I just didn't know if you didn't. He was like, you've never met one of those people? Wow. Um, or you have make, you have an adult where they're like totally cool with it, and they kind of change with the times, they adapt with it, or there's maybe a person that's kind of in between there. Um, I find myself sometimes in between that, where sometimes I feel like a cranky adult, um, but other times I'm pretty accepting of all the change, and I love having options, um, and there's some adults where they all they see is the negative. They just look at all the negative things that have to do with all the things that are changing and adapting. Um, but I think it's, it's kind of cool. And the reason I think it's cool is I think it allows you to explore and discover what you love. And sometimes it helps you develop, like, the passions um, that you have in life. But here's a question. Are there any drawbacks with all the options that we currently have? 
Are there any negatives with all of our options to decide what we want? And um, I think there's a, a, an abundance of positive, but I also think there is some negative. Um, here's, here's one of them. Our abundance of options have expedited our trajectory towards being self-centered and selfish. Um, and history has shown us that we don't really need an abundance of options to be selfish and um, self-centered. Uh, we don't need social media to make us selfish or self-centered. Um, we don't need any of those things. It's called sin, and it makes us think about ourselves more than other people. Um, uh, I see this on the daily with myself, and I see this on the daily with my kids, um, But here's the other thing is, like, when we have an abundance of options, like, we have the ability to cater what's around us, um, and we we have the ability to cater our preferences um, to what we want. So the person sitting next to you, like, they don't have to deal with this or watch the same thing that you watch. They don't have to listen to the same thing that you are listening to. And sometimes that can cause us to think about, like, what do I want It's not like what's best for us, what's best for me and this other person. It's what do I want in this moment? And it's gone beyond what drink we want. It's gone gone beyond um, the combinations within the Coke machine um, or the shows that we want to watch or the music that we've listened to. And I believe that we've reached a place where we've trained ourselves to think we can and should choose everything independently. But on the other hand, the Christian faith believes there are areas of our lives that we do not choose, and human identity is one of them. And last week, as we dove into how we try to find our identity, we said there are often two main places that we look for identity. It's, it's what do other people say about me, and what do I feel about myself? So oftentimes when we're trying to answer the question of who am I, these are the two places that we look. What do other people say about us? What do we think that they say about us? And what do I feel about myself? And like I said, we took took time to explore what do other people say about me and allow others to decide our identity. And so (laughs) tonight we will look. uh, This is Miguel. He's one of our security guards. He helps keep us safe on Wednesdays and Sundays. And uh, he's amazing. Um, But we are going to look at the latter half of this statement of what do I feel about myself? I read this quote last week, and I want to read it again. It's from a book called Finding Your Best Identity. And uh, if you want to purchase this book, if, you, if you're on the version notes, you can scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a link to purchase that book on Amazon. And he says this, I have found that my best identity isn't based on what I feel or desire inside. And it isn't based on what I assume other people think about me. God dictates my identity, and therefore I will find my best life not by embracing everything I find within or by listening to what I hear around me. I will find my best life by living out my God-given identity. And so we're going to dive into this I decide who I am. So if you're taking notes or whatever, that's something that you can write down. And, and you could define I decide who I am this way. Your sense of self is determined by what you want and what will make you happy. And this is probably the most prominent way we try and form our identity And it's the one that can be probably the most confusing because there are times when we do decide parts of who we are. 
Like last week, I talked about the clothes that we wear, the, the, well, how we choose to our, express ourselves, um, the hobbies that we have, the friends or the job that we want to have. But there's also major parts about the human life that we don't have control over. And oftentimes we hear a message that says, whatever is inside of you is the most valuable and that is who you are or some variation of that. And so the question becomes, if that's true, if I'm supposed to listen to what is inside me, what does that mean and what is it saying? Like what is the inside of me saying? And um, in the Bible, our heart is a picture to depict our inner desires, our loves and the epicenter for many things. And so when you're saying, listen to what's inside of you, what you're kind of saying is like, listen to your heart. Like listen to what you desire. And your heart is a, is a big deal and it has much power. And uh, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So if everything flows from your heart, how reliable is that in pointing us in the right direction? If we are to, if we're allowing what's inside of us to decide our identity, I mean, we are looking to like our heart and our desires and everything that we do flows from our heart. How reliable is our heart? Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And this leads us back to Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. Jesus is talking and he says that what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And he lists off a bunch of different things. So we have to ask the question contextually, like what's happening in Mark chapter 7. So Jesus is eating food with his disciples and some Jewish religious leaders approach them. And accused Jesus um, and uh, accused his disciples of not following certain Jewish traditions. And the, the tradition that they were referring to was that they needed to wash their hands before eating. Now, we understand that, that, you know, on a hygiene side, that that's probably a good thing. So our hands uh, are on our, our on doorknobs and we touch our shoes and it's just there's a lot of germs on our hands. And so um, they were like, hey, you should, you should wash your hands before you eat. But here's the deal. They didn't care about their hygiene. Like these Jewish leaders didn't care that, um, the fact that their hands weren't clean. They were concerned with whether or not they were doing what they wanted them to do. It wasn't about following God and living a clean life. It was about controlling and manipulating people to do what they wanted. And so Jesus confronts them and then he leaves. And then in verse 20 through 23 is where we pick up where it's Jesus and his disciples. And they're in a house and they ask him to explain, like, what did you mean by what you, what you said? And so Jesus explains to them. He's like, hey, it's not the food that you ingest that makes you unclean or by not washing your hands. It's what comes out of you. What he means by that is your actions, your words, how you treat people, and so on. That is what makes you unclean. And so where does this come from? In verses 21 and 23, it says that it comes from your heart. So we find here that our heart seems unreliable in defining what's best for us. And as Christians, 
Should we follow the I decide who I am way of approach? So let's look at a few, a few pitfalls. Um, pitfall number one is this. Our thoughts and desires change. So I know for some of you, it might, especially my sixth and seventh grade boys small group, it might be hard for you to believe, but I was a teenager once. Um, and I have been working with teenagers long enough to realize that you change. Your desires change. What you feel changes. Given at, at the age of a teenager, given your age, your brain development, and everything that goes on else that goes on as a teenager, you are in a season of life where you have like the freedom to explore in different areas. You don't have to know what your career is yet at 12 years old. You may have an idea, but it's not. You don't have to um, know definitively. You don't have to know what hobbies you will have at the age of 40, or if you will be married and have kids. And as you discover your passions, um, your trajectories can change, which can be good. As you take different classes in high school, as you have different friends, you can realize that, man, I thought I was going to have this career. But now after these different classes and these different conversations, I was like, man, I want to pursue this over here. But on the flip side, if I am the one who decides at my core who I am, how do I know that what I'm choosing is correct? What if I veer off track in discovering my, quote, best life and end up somewhere or end up like someone that I don't want to be? So this leads me to the second pitfall of I Decide. I Decide creates unnecessary stress and pressure. And if you were here last week, this was also a pitfall of allowing other people to decide who you are. Have you ever tried to decide and you can't make a decision? Just by a show of hands. You've tried to make a decision and you can't? Okay. We often can't decide because there are so many options. So picking one can feel impossible. Insert Netflix, Prime Video, Hulu, Apple TV, like you name it. You, you know exactly where I'm going. You sit down on the couch. You get home from school. Your mind is jello because of uh, all of the work that you've been doing, the homework, the, your mind is just kind of fried, and what do you want to do? You want to sit on the couch, and you just want to watch a show. You just kind of want to veg out, zone out for a little bit, and then I will, what, do my homework. We all know that doesn't happen. Um, you're exhausted from thinking. You're mentally drained. Um, and can just we just be honest, sometimes it's hard, it's exhausting during the day to keep your emotions in check. Can we just be honest? Can we make that a regular thing? Like, it's sometimes hard to keep our emotions in check through the day, so then when we come home, we're exhausted because of that. So you grab a snack from the cupboard. Uh, maybe it's Cheetos, maybe it's Doritos, to go back to our question. You grab the remote, you plop down in your favorite spot on the couch because you can't sit in another spot on the couch. Like, you have the one spot in your living room that you sit. Um, you go to your favorite streaming platform, and you start looking for something to watch. You know what happens. A few minutes go by. You can't decide what to watch. A few more minutes go by and you still can't choose. By this time, you may have switched streaming platforms and instead of Netflix, now you're on Disney Plus or you're on Disney Plus and now you're on Hulu. Um, and what ends up happening is that you give up on making a decision and instead you grab your phone, you open TikTok and you doom scroll for like an hour. Am I reading anyone's mail right now? Yeah, where you can't decide because there's so many things. And so you're just like, whatever, I'm just going to look at Instagram or whatever. So we feel pressure 
to pick a show, and this is why I believe that we sometimes we can't make the decision. We feel pressure to pick a show that we will enjoy, but there are too many options, and we don't want to waste our time watching a show that we don't like, but we end up wasting time anyways because we can't decide. So the reason I'm talking about all this is when it comes to our identity, it puts an immense amount of stress and pressure on us because what if I miss it? What if I change my mind? What if I put effort into who I am and it ends up being wasted? What if I decide, what if what, if what I decide conflicts with someone else and causes them harm or causes me harm? What do I do if, if what I desire on the inside isn't good? What seems to happen is that instead of us deciding who we are, it turns into what does culture say I should be? So if culture says it's harmful to let anything external like other people, traditions, religions, or my body, then I must carry the weight of my decision on my own. Can we be honest? This doesn't sound like freedom. Like on paper, it's like me deciding who I am, me making that decision. It sounds really good, but when we break it down, it sounds stressful. It sounds like there's a lot of pressure. And what if we mess up? To be honest with you, this doesn't sound like a full life. It sounds unstable and it sounds shaky. Life is unstable enough. We don't need anything else to add to it. And Jesus warned us about our heart in our text in Mark chapter 7. He said that it was the source of deceit, harm, sexual immorality, envy, greed, and, and many other things. And why is that? It's because our nature is bent towards sin because of the fall. So if we read in the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis chapter 3, we'll read that Adam and Eve were walking in the garden. And I know this is weird, but a talking snake approached them. And the snake questions the wisdom of God and begins to lead them into a place where they are questioning God themselves. And so what do they do? They, define, they choose to define wisdom for themselves and go against what God instructed them to do and not do, and they bring sin into the world. And because of sin, God would put into practice a covenant between humanity and himself hundreds of years later. And this covenant was the only way that an imperfect creation could interact with a perfect God. So if we fast forward a couple thousand years later, God sent Jesus to the earth to live as a man, to be God in the flesh. And Jesus would live a perfect life that we are required to live and incapable of living. And in Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says, But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus embodied perfection. And this very perfection was needed to pay the price for sin. The very perfection that was needed to pay for my sin. So now when God looks down upon people who follow Jesus, he doesn't see their sin, but sees the payments that Jesus made for them. Because we are known by what Jesus has done and not by what we have done, we can now live our lives in freedom. And I say all of this because this is the other option as we discover our identity. God decides who I am. So if our heart is deceitful and full of sin, how can we live out and allow God to decide who we are? 
If we look to Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this in verses 1 through 2. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing to God. We'll talk about that in just a second. It's not as weird as it sounds. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in the book of Romans, we'll probably do a book study in youth here in the next year or so um, to start tackling the book of Romans because it is so good. But Paul spends most of the first 11 chapters of Romans describing the sinfulness of man. And chapter 12 is, is often thought to be where he turns the corner and, be, and starts to describe in greater detail how a believer is to live their life. So he begins in, by encouraging the believers to offer their lives to God. And what he means by that is to allow God to use every part of your life as worship to him. Next, he will use chapters 12 through 15 to describe different areas in which believers excuse me, worship God by loving people, submitting, excuse me, to submitting to governing authorities, encouraging those weak in the faith, and so on, and so on. And this is all done by the transformation and the renewal of your mind. And the mind in this text refers to your intellect and your decision-making. And Paul is encouraging these believers to make the conscious decision to allow God to transform the way that they make decisions. How does one do that? So if we go back to Proverbs chapter 4, where it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So uh, stay with me. If everything flows from our heart, how we make decisions come from, comes from the state of our heart, which means we must allow God to transform our hearts. And this is where it gets confusing. This doesn't, however, mean we can decide who we are. If we look to a text we talked about last week, Galatians chapter 5, it says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So let's talk about this for a second. Paul is reminding these Christians who are uh, residing in the city of Galatia that the war within themselves is not a war against the person standing next to them. The war that that is waging on inside of them is not against a person, but it's against their human nature that desires to sin against God. We naturally desire what is contrary to God because of the curse of sin that we talked about a few moments ago. But as Christians, we have the Spirit of God residing in us that is pulling us towards honoring Jesus. So when Paul says in verse 16 that we are to, quote, walk by the Spirit, and in verse 18 to be led by the Spirit, that means we are to produce the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 through 23. So when people receive salvation through faith in Jesus, they receive a new identity. Your new identity is a son or daughter in the family of God, and you have been adopted, redeemed, and saved into God's family. 
In the book, Finding Your Best Identity, I referenced it earlier, he said this, Christian identity is an identity we receive as we enter into relationship with God based on the work of Christ. This is the identity that can give us the best, true, and lasting sense of worth and value. And it's by living out this identity that we can experience our best life. And as I wrap this up, I'm going to close with a few thoughts. And I, an I-decide approach to identity creates pressure for us to choose the right desire. But a God-decides approach to identity relieves that pressure. When we receive our Christian identity through the free gift of grace, we no longer perform to earn anything. Instead, we receive our new life and are not defined by our sins or what others say or think about us. And here's um, some good news. In Jesus, our identity never changes. It doesn't matter what someone said about you earlier today. It doesn't matter what someone said six months ago. Yes, it still hurts maybe what they say about you, but in Jesus, our identity never changes. All that matters is what God says about you through his word. And scripture assures us that when we are adopted into the family of God, that is final. And God has authority and also never changes. Our feelings Our desires and thoughts change regularly, but God is unchanging. So I want to give you the big idea, and then um, we'll jump into our, we'll pray and then go into our small groups um, to discuss some questions. If I could leave you with one thing, it's this. We can find security in knowing who we are in Christ. We can find security in knowing who we are in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I know that you already know this, but life is pretty difficult, and there's a lot of um, things that are trying to um, grab a hold of our minds and our hearts. And uh, Lord, you remind us of what our hearts are full of. Our hearts are full of deceit and slander and envy. But Lord, we ask that you would renew our minds and renew our hearts. Would you, would you help us to see your goodness? Would you help us to see the freedom that comes from giving our lives to you? to living our lives as um, living sacrifices. So Lord, I pray that for every, every young person that is here, that as they consider where is their identity, as they contemplate this question of where do I find my belonging? How do I define who I am? Lord, I pray that they would see the downfalls of trying to decide on our own or allowing other people to decide. But Lord, I pray that they would trust you, that you have created them in the way that you've created them. And that you desire to be in relationship with them. So Lord, I pray for our conversations over the next 15 minutes or so. Um, would you guide it? Would you direct it? Would, would you uh, just help things to click in our minds and in our hearts, and help us to make uh, just like one more step towards you and becoming more like Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Amen. So we're going to go into our small groups. We are going to talk about um, a few questions. Um, the guys are in the back of the room. Uh, girls are in the front of the room. Um, high school is on this side. Middle school is on this side. And your small group leader will dismiss you when you are finished. Hey.